hours again. We are meeting live, so not from behind the screen, but you know, just face to face, and we are able to have a hopefully fruitful and joyful discussion. It's my pleasure to welcome our three speakers of tonight. Uh, one from America, all the way from Ohio, Matt Meyer, Jan Pander, and Ilgeros Arosdal from the Netherlands. Um, and they hopefully will inspire you with directions. What's all about it? Uh, I'll keep it short because uh, you've been uh, uh, able to read, I guess, uh, all the CPs that has been forwarded to you. Um, I'll start introducing Matt Meyer very brief, very briefly. Um, he's from Ohio, self-employed. He has his own think tank, Opportunity Ohio. He has written extensively on, on American elections, uh, American elections results, and what's all behind it. And he is extremely knowledgeable, from my experience, on the ins and outs of uh, the elections, uh, the electorate, and what's all what drives people to vote for the Republicans or Democrats or any other, any other parties that uh, are participating in the elections. Um, he has arrived this morning, uh, very early, with two hours delay. Uh, still, he's not falling asleep, uh, as I can see from my point of view. So I'm sure he's gonna give you a fantastic uh, introduction to, uh, to the elections. Uh, his particular view, I should stress, not the Atlantic Association's view. You know, it's the whole idea that we offer a platform, this is really important, is a platform for discussion. And it will be followed by uh, remarks by uh, the other of uh, BKB, which stands for uh, the initials of the uh, founding fathers, so to speak. Uh, but she's part of that uh, uh, founding fathers club. Uh, as well as being one of the uh, business directors uh, of that company, very welcome to and Elton Rosenthal, uh, who hardly needs an introduction for most of you here, uh, journalist uh, with Dutch public television, and he will be moderating the discussion halfway. But first, I would like to invite uh, Matt Meyer for his introductory remarks, uh, and then Elton Ross will take it over. Matt, may I? Ask you to give an applause for the Thank you very much uh, for coming out. I know it's uh, a far nicer environment outside than it is <laughs> in here, uh, but thank you for coming nonetheless. Uh, Ron, thank you once again for having me. I don't know how many years we've been doing this, six or seven. Uh, this is the first, first since uh, the pandemic ended. Uh, so it's always good to come back here, and usually I'm here in the early spring or the late fall, and so I never get this kind of weather, so I've had a great day today. Uh, you know, I think I'm going on about an hour and a half of sleep right now uh, on the plane, which as you can imagine wasn't great sleep, and then Ron marched me about 10 and a half miles so far today. Uh, so, you know, if I, if I fall asleep up here, blame, blame Ron. So let's talk about the upcoming midterm elections in the U.S. Um, so historically speaking, those elections tend to break against the party that controls the White House. So in this situation, that'd be Joe Biden and the Democrats. Um, just 
not been the case. Uh, the latest internal polling from the Democratic Congressional Committee, which is the DCCC, that's the committee that runs all the House races for the Democrats, their internal polling has Republicans uh, on the generic ballot up 47 to 39, which that translates into a fairly substantial individual House race after race. Um, typically, even when Democrats uh, are up ahead by one or two points, Republicans still take control of the House in that situation. So right now, with you know some five months until the election, there's a, a eight-point Republican advantage by the DCCC's own internal poll. So that gives you a sense of where things stand. Events uh, are breaking on a weekly basis against Joe Biden and the Democrats. Um, they're in total control in D.C. right now, right? They've got the House by about uh, six votes, uh, depending on if they're retiring or not. And then they control the Senate by Vice President Kamala Harris's tiebreaker vote, it's 50-50. And then, of course, they control the White House. So having that control, uh, the environment in the U.S. right now uh, is, is not good for them. And let me cover a couple things. Um, one, inflation is hitting record highs uh, in the U.S., um, which is impacting Main Street America. Um, Brown and I talked about this earlier. Uh, most Europeans, has everyone here been to America? How about who has not been? Okay, just a couple. Those of you who have been, most of you, except for reporters, uh, go to New York or Boston. Maybe pop down in Miami, maybe in Chicago, and then San Francisco and LA. And they don't really get to what's called Fire Country, which is where I'm from, Ohio. Um, my other two speakers have both been to Ohio. Uh, they can tell you there's not much to see, uh, but it's traditionally been a battleground state, so that's why a lot of reporters end up in Ohio. Um, <coughs> but Main Street America is that part of the country that when, we, when I refer to it, it's that, you know, outside of East and West Coast, and your big urban centers, that's kind of the main street where suburbs and the lawyer is. And they're, they're getting crushed at the gas pumps, at the grocery store, and any items are contributed by interest rates. So credit cards, mortgage payments, car payments, all those things they're feeling, uh, and they don't have the flexibility uh, that, that a kind of upper class in America has. So when, when gas prices are, you know, $90 to fill up your car, that puts them at, you know, at the kitchen table They feel that at the kitchen table, and you have to cut things out elsewhere. When when they deal with with moving interest rates on on things they need to, to for their house, car, whatever, uh, they're the ones that feel it the most. So that that's been an issue for them. Uh, Biden's approval rating is hitting historic lows um, in the U.S. And that's not how Kamala Harris's approval rating are even lower than his. So as a ticket, they're not in, in good good shape. Um, the Hispanic vote in America is trending towards Republicans, and I know that tends to be a shock for Europeans. Um, but in the 2020 election, Donald Trump got more minority votes than any Republican president in modern history. The driver of the Hispanic vote uh, is, I think it makes sense if you think about it, um, in America, the Hispanic community is kind of the most recent immigrant community, so the legal Hispanic Americans that are there tend to be in your kind of service economy 
uh, jobs, right? Uh, cleaning hotels, cleaning office buildings, agriculture, uh, landscaping. <coughs> so it's a really entry level, you know, minimum wage or slightly higher paying jobs. They are the ones most threatened by kind of that illegal migrant worker that comes across the southern border. So for them, you know, when they see kind of a keep the border shut down under Republicans versus open the border up under Democrats, they see that as kind of hitting their pocketbook. So I think that's partially why you're seeing that Hispanic vote increasingly moving towards the Republican Party uh, in the last few years. Even the black vote is starting to shift towards the Republicans, which for most of the last 50 years, you know, the black vote has been about a 92% reliable vote for the Democratic Party. So it doesn't matter who the candidates are, that's been the, the, the typical vote for um, Within that community, what you're seeing is black men are starting to vote more Republican, and black women are remaining in that 92% range. Um, and, and you have to keep in mind, uh, we're not talking about a huge shift in the black community, but if Republican candidates can get from 92 to 80 losses, they can shift that to 2080. That number becomes a very difficult number for a Democrat to overcome other votes from other communities. And so any shift can kind of make it really difficult for a Democrat to win a statewide campaign, if that makes sense. Um, the top issues right now on voter minds are favoring Republicans, and virtually every single one of Republicans are, are favored over Democrats, so the economy, inflation, border security, those types of things. And then uh, Biden's age is becoming an issue increasingly, uh, whether it's comments he makes that the, the staff walk back, or his comments he makes that don't make sense. Um, he just increasingly seems old, and he is, right? He, he is an old guy, um, and, and that, that's becoming an issue. So when you get to kind of some specifics, I think last week, uh, America, all 50 states, the average gas price was over $4, which I mean, you guys are like, so what? <laughs> Ours would be eight and a half. Comparable. Uh, but that's expensive for America. We're used to $2.30, $2.07. So when you pop up over $4, and that, they're expecting that to go above $6 by August. So if that keeps going up higher and higher, again, that mainstream American vote is going to get angrier and angrier at who's in control, right? Uh, the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve, which is where we keep a bunch of extra reserves out of Oklahoma, still below Oklahoma. Uh, Joe Biden tapped that to try to bring the price of gas down. It worked for about three days, and price went back up. And, and the problem with that is we now, that's hit the lowest level of reserve we've ever had it. And if you think just basic economics, for us to put the reserve back up and build it back up, we're gonna be paying today's prices, not when we bought it, which was cheaper. So it's gonna cost a ton of money for us to get the reserve back up. Um, another issue is, uh, and I don't know if it's an issue here, but it's a huge issue in America, is that Increasing fentanyl overdoses that are occurring. Um, last year, we had 107,000 overdose deaths in America. 80,000 plus of those were fentanyl related. Um, quick background on that: what you saw was um, when China entered the World Trade Organization in 2001. Over the next essentially decade, there was a massive hollowing out of of the manufacturing. Rust Belt, where I live, Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Michigan. There are cases in Ohio where they literally 
with gaping wounds. About a decade ago, that wound increasingly started being filled by opioids. So that, you know, folks started taking more and more uh, opioid addiction to kind of cut the pain. And then in the last six, seven years, with the rise of fentanyl being put into the opioids, uh, you're now seeing all those overdoses pop higher and higher every year. That fentanyl is coming across our southern border by the Mexican cartels, uh, being fed from labs in China. So all that's kind of created huge problems in the U.S. Uh, places where places like Rhode Island, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, huge numbers of deaths. And then COVID, uh, you know, Biden entered office with a huge advantage on COVID. People blame Trump for what had happened. Uh, he inherited a vaccine. He inherited a year's worth of knowledge about how to deal with it. And uh, it's not gone well. There have now been more deaths under Biden than under Trump. And even if average, average monthly death rate is higher under Biden than it was under Trump. And Trump had no vaccine for all the, about the last month of his presidency. And we were fighting this thing for the first time. So that's been a fascinating change. If, if, you guys get the, the handout, the one with the charts that you look. Just put this together because it's interesting to kind of look at, right? If you, if you look at the very first two, those are from, I don't know if anybody ever looks at what's called GoPurePolitics.com. It's a great website uh, that has, every day has kind of a smattering of op-eds from both sides of the political spectrum. So you can read those, but they also have a great polling where they compile all the various polling and races all across the country. And, and things like this. So this is from them. This, as of I think two days ago, when I said to Brown. But as you can see, uh, Trump's approval rating is is slightly lower than Trump's. His disapproval rating is slightly better than Trump's. So it's kind of a wash. And if you kind of look at those, the thing that's most interesting about these two charts is, you know, you can see Trump really never had much of a positive rating up, right? From the moment he entered the presidency to today, he's largely been mostly negative. Whereas Biden had a great start from the beginning, and this is where it all went downhill. So you can see this is going to increasingly be a problem come midterm elections if that number doesn't close a bit. If you look at the next kind of chart, which are the, the one where I put my chicken scratch, I can't say I should have been a doctor. Uh, you know, one of the things you're hearing in the U.S. In the administration is, right, the gas is due to Putin. This is Putin's problem. Putin's causing this. So if you look where that red line is, uh, that is essentially the election uh, happened. And within, you can notice within just days of the election where Biden won, the gas price starts going up. And then here is kind of where Putin comes into play, which is the last beat. Uh, the reason went up is because you know, Joe Biden made it very clear during the campaign that he was going to re reconstitute the war on carbon that Barack Obama had done. So we're going to go after fracking. We're going to shut down pipelines. We're going to shut down all this kind of you know, federal leases on drilling. Uh, that scared the juice out of the industry. And obviously, you can see, and you know, one of the biggest problems we're seeing in the U.S. is even now, where there's some interest in trying to get some of that going back. They've done such a good job scaring Wall Street uh, on pipelines and fracking that energy companies actually can't even get capital to invest in new stuff. So it, they can't get the funding, so not much is going on. The other chart is kind of in a way related. I just wanted to kind of show how, you know, this is where we, we had reached after, you know, under Obama and then Trump, you had that great fracking, blue boom in America, hydraulic fracturing, which allowed us to open up a lot of wells that they created that energy intense for the first time ever. And we obviously now, we don't have 
The next page, the picture, have you guys seen this sticker? Have you heard about this these sticker? So this is my Twitter feed from October of well before you know, Russia stuff. Um, these stickers started popping up on gas station pumps all over the country where Richard Biden saying, I did that. And so you pull up and somebody put a sticker on there to show that you know he caused you all to spend all that money. Uh, it's just kind of one of those funny things that I, I don't know where who came up with it, but it spread rapidly. Uh, and so gas stations started putting signs up, teams don't put stickers on the pump, and that was kind of funny stuff. The next one you can see is the fentanyl overdose, that huge chunk that you can see gets higher and higher every year. Um, the next set, this is the stock market. So in the last month, this is where the wealth class in America started feeling a little bit more pain, right? We've had some stock market issues. Um, and so there, that's 401ks, that's pension plans, that's you know, brokerage accounts. So this is where folks are starting to feel it. And you can see from the beginning of Trump's presidency to the end, he had about a 144% increase in the stock price, you know, the stock market, the S&P 500. Even after COVID, he did a huge drop and still recovered well into it. And so far, Biden's in about a 10.8% gain, but you can see where that number is, has been coming down. So depending on what happens in the next five months, that can again further hurt his, his uh, chances. That next slide, uh, this is somebody who's heard, you know, the, the Supreme Court is going to make a decision that's likely to overturn the abortion case of Roe v. Wade. The, the opinion slipped out, which is unprecedented. Just wanted to show you from a polling standpoint, you know, most Americans are, are, are kind of where your, most of Europe is, which is at about 20 weeks, you can't do anything thereafter unless it's health and other kind of thing. Before that, there will be different regulations, but, it's, you know, 65 and 80% of Americans say nothing in the second or third trimester. First trimester is open game. Uh, so that 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 likely means it's, that issue is not going to drive turnout in the way some folks would hope. On either side, it's likely going to just be a stalemate. If you go to the next page, have you guys heard of the Let's Go Brandon? Who hasn't heard of that? Okay, so there was, you know what NASCAR is, the racing stuff in America? There was a guy who won a race, and his name was Brandon. Have you guys heard this? Really? He, he, so this guy was a race, and uh, the, he was being interviewed by a news reporter, and she said, you know, something, and somebody yelled out, uh, uh, F you by Joe Biden. And she said, oh, somebody said, Let, let's go Brandon, instead of F you Joe Biden. And that became like a massive meme across America. Um, where people then started having flags, let's go Brandon, people would yell at all the time. And this is uh, Apple Downloads. I just thought I'd give you a screenshot. Um, it, this, when I did this, there were four versions of the rap songs that are titled Let's Go Brandon. I got two of them on my phone, and they're kind of funny to listen to because it's just all about this Let's Go Brandon thing. So you, you, you might hear Americans say Let's Go Brandon, and that really is code for F you Joe Biden. It, it just caught on after this goofy report of the NASCAR race, and it hasn't stopped. <clears throat> that next chart, again, that's the COVID numbers I talked about. You can just see kind of where it all cuts off. Um, and then the final picture, this is as of two days ago, the UK betting sites on the presidency. Right now, Trump is a heavy favorite to win the White House back in 2024, should he run. Joe Biden's next, and then the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is then after that, and you can see Kamala Harris is down at 6%. Um, now, 
that just kind of shows you where things are, kind of the landscape is. In terms of redistricting, you know, redistricting America is every 10 years our census does population count based upon the population count. Every state is a portion, the number of congressional seats in the U.S. House of Representatives based upon population. Um, that, that was supposed to be a big win for Democrats because the former Attorney General Barack Obama, uh, Eric Holder, has an entire litigation group. They have tons of lawyers and their job is to try to essentially, they call it sue or settle or try to get redistricting drawn by in a way that's most favorable to the Democrats. Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, he started a competing group to fight on the other side of it. The initial thought was that the Democrats were gonna win big on redistricting just because some of the states, the way it all flowed out. It actually ended up being that it, it best case it's gonna be a wash or it might benefit Republicans because especially in New York, a judge threw out the map that the Democrats had drawn and put it put a judge drawn map that is far more favorable to Republicans. And so it looks like it's gonna be, again, best case of wash, uh, most likely a, a slight win for, for the Republicans. What that means is, as of right now, best guess would be the Republicans are gonna win a margin of about 30 to 40 seats in the U.S. House, so they'll take control of the U.S. House uh, side of Congress, which means Kevin McCarthy that would be the Speaker of the House, uh, and Nancy Pelosi would, uh, my guess is she'll resign if Republicans actually win that. She'll, she's not gonna become, I don't think she'd win the vote as minority leader, and I don't think she's just gonna become some backbencher hanging out in Washington. Um, so my guess is she'll resign uh, and head back to San Francisco. Uh, one indicator of how things are going, when you look at turnout in contested races so far in the primaries, there are several states where both parties have contested races. And the three that, uh, that really have been interesting is the Pennsylvania Senate race, Republicans had 140,000 more voters turnout than Democrats. In Ohio, there were 500,000 more Republicans turned out for the Senate and gubernatorial race than Democrats. And in North Carolina, Senate race, about 150,000 more Republicans turned out than Democrats. So that just goes to the excitement factor. If those numbers continue, that creates some interesting dynamics in terms of who controls the U.S. Senate uh, come November. That will be a much harder feat for Republicans just because of the races that are up. Uh, I think the most likely outcome is a 51-49 Republican-controlled U.S. Senate. Uh, could be 50-50, in which case Vice President Harris would then again tie vote, keep the Democrats in control. Could go 42-48 Republicans, but it's going to be very tight whether it's Democrat control or Republican control thereafter. The key seats to watch, if you want to watch them, uh, if you write this down, would be Nevada, where Cortez Masto, I think she's going to lose to Laxalt, who's going to be the Republican against nomination. Nevada has been, the numbers are looking very interesting there uh, for Republicans this year. Again, there's this wave building, and she might go down in that wave. Arizona, I think Kelly will hold his seat. Uh, Wisconsin, Johnson, Republican, I think will hold his seat there. Georgia, I think Warnick, who's a Democrat, will lose his seat to Herschel Walker. Most of you guys know who that is. He's a famous uh, American football player for the two Georgia Bulldogs. He won the Heisman Trophy, which is the best college football player in America. He then played professionally for the Dallas Cowboys. He's, he's right now, the point has him slightly ahead of Warnick uh, in that race. Uh, it's going to be in Georgia. We'll see what happens, but I think he'll be able to pull that off. He's an African American. 
being very interested in what kind of race that two African Americans against each other in Georgia, it's heavily African American state, especially in that Atlanta area. North Carolina is an open seat. Uh, I think the, that would be held by Biden, the Republican. New Hampshire is uh, Democrat held Hassan, I think she'll win re-election. And then I think Pennsylvania might be one that is the race. John Fetterman is the Democrat. He's kind of an unabashed, you know, progressive AOC. You know, you're, that's Alexander Cortez. Alexander Cortez, you don't know that, right? Uh, so he's he's running for the Democrats, and we think it's going to be Mehmet Oz, who Trump endorsed in the primary. I think he's currently winning about like 900 votes. Uh, if he goes on to win, uh, that race is like a massive toss up. Nobody knows what's going to happen there. Uh, so much depends on what happens in the Philadelphia and Pittsburgh uh, areas and the turnout there versus the rest of the state. So that'll be a very strange race, but that's the one to watch on election night come November because that may be the one that flips it to a 51 49 uh, Republican controlled Senate. So let me find, finish up and then we can do whatever we're supposed to do next uh, with what happens. I think they for sure win the House Republicans do. I don't think that's, I think nobody believes that the Democrats win all the House. Um, the Senate becomes interesting. If the Republicans win the Senate and then have control of both chambers, uh, it's going to be pretty ugly in the U.S. Uh, Republicans are livid about what the Democrats have done the last year and a half, two years. Uh, they're going to launch tons of investigations against Joe Biden, his family, Hunter Biden. They're going to remove certain members from all committees, uh, Adam Schiff, um, uh, Eric Swalwell, because they removed Republicans from committee. It's going to be this whole payback uh, agenda that's going to happen. Um, and so my guess is the Biden administration is going to be swamped with investigations, and uh, in that is going to kind of ramp up as more information has come out about the Russia hoax against Trump, the Alpha Bank hoax against Trump, that that really was just a Clinton campaign uh, gambit uh, that paralyzed his presidency for most of his presidency and created some foreign policy hurdles in terms of dealing with Russia that I think we're dealing with today. Um, that also means any type of nominations that Biden puts forward are going to be stalled, uh, especially Court of Appeals or any Supreme Court justices, if those happen to come up, that the justice will not be, will not be seated uh, in the last two years. If, if the Republicans will assent, there's just no way they're going to put something on, especially if it's a conservative who is being replaced for some type of tragedy, you know, or a death in humanity tragedy. But, um, however, so, so there, there's a lot that could happen in the next five months, but all the trend lines are for a massive Republican wave election, like we saw in 2010, when the Tea Party kind of rose after Obama passed uh, the Affordable Care Act by one vote, ran through, um, that backlash is created. There's more and more of that happening, so there's just the, the, the foment is rising uh, substantially. So we'll see if it maintains for five more months or a few years out. But even if it does, history says it's not going to be a big year for, for Democrats. So really, 2024 is where we're going to see the next fight. And remember, Republicans take the House and or the Senate. Everything they do is going to be geared toward winning the White House in 2024. So they want to harm Biden as much as possible, harm Harris as much as possible. So whoever they nominate is in a position uh, to, to win in 2024 to kind of control everything and do what they want to do. Does that make sense? All right, great. Thank you so much.